Turn to 1 John chapter 3. <clears throat> want to talk about how do you get your prayers answered? <laughs> you're a child of God. You're covenanted with God. It's a relationship, first chapter. But I want to talk to you about praying in the will of God. I want you to have confidence in prayer. God does. He wants you to know that your prayers are being answered, and how does that make, take place? He says, whatever you ask in my name, it shall be given unto you. And so I want to talk about today some things I think so importantly and how to pray in the will of the Father. If you look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 18 through 24. <clears throat> Anybody got it, would like to read it? Rosemary, would you stand and just and speak loudly? <laughs> Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth, and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Amen. Thank you, Rosemary. Thank you so much. Just wonderful. You know, prayer is not meant to be a hit and miss. But like anything else, we learn and we grow. We're children of God and we're growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be in the Word of God and we're growing in that knowledge and uh, grace. But it's not meant just to sort of, when you pray, that I hope God answers my prayer. I want to talk to you about that you know God hears you and that God answers your prayer. And, and it's real simple. I'm going to make it just really simple when we talk about these things because there should be confidence that when you come before the Father, because of the relationship you have with Jesus Christ, that you should be confident that God hears your prayers. And the Bible says if He hears your prayers, then He answers your prayers. Now, we can't just ask for anything. I want to just go ahead and couch this and begin to say we just ask anything and so forth. And a lot sometimes in, in wrong theological teachings and prosperity and so forth, God prospers us, but we can't name it and claim it. We need to obviously understand what this means. And so there have been some erroneous teachings over the year. I don't focus on error. I spoke, focus on truth. But we, God wants you to know that he hears you, and, and it's through that relationship. And I want to talk about it. First thing is there are three principles, I believe, when we talk about prayer, prayers that matter. First of all is respect. You know, the five, Jesus said, his disciples said, Lord, teach us uh, how to pray. Remember, he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed or holy is your name. There was a reverence coming before the Lord. That was first in that prayer. He says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against him. And, but the first, he says, is there's a reverence. There is a respect when we come before the Lord, when we bow our hearts and bow our heads, maybe in our prayer closet, maybe on the road, or maybe it's, it's sitting 
in our chair in the morning drinking our coffee, whenever it may be, we respect him. We hallowed be thy name, Father. The second thing is, is focus, certainly. We need to be engaged in our process of prayer, paying attention to God, listening to him as he directs us. The Holy Spirit will direct us in our prayers as we get still before him. The problem is, is we're just too antsy. You know, we were sitting here in open worship, and we're not used to that quiet time, are we? And we sit, and we're a little antsy, like, well, how long is this going to go on, okay? We're listening, and, and when I feel like, and actually what I'm doing, I'll be honest with you, when I'm praying, I'm asking the Lord for Him to speak to us, okay? And then also is when is it time that we need to, to move forward with this? I'm asking during that time, I'm praying to the Father. If He says, hold, there's a sense of maybe saying to, to wait before I get up, then I wait, I hesitate, I continue to try to be attuned. The same way with prayer is you're attuned to the Lord. So there's a focus, but there's also a consistency. We've got to be consistent with our prayers. If we're asking God for his wisdom and his guidance, then we've got to follow that guidance. Why would God want to answer our prayers if we're not going to do what he tells us to do? He won't. He'll wait till you go back and do what he last told you to do. And so sometimes I'll ask the Lord, is, Lord, take me back to where maybe I got off of your chosen path. Maybe in one way or another is that <clears throat> I, was, uh, I, I was delinquent, so to speak, and doing what you told me to do. I want to be obedient to you. We talked about obedience should be immediate. It should be ob immediate. It doesn't mean that you do everything on the spur of the moment. It means that you're listening to the Father. And so there's several things I want to talk about here today. First of all is a confidence in prayer through a clear conscience. Verse 22 says, And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight here. Whatever we ask, we receive from him these things that we've asked for. In other words, a lot of times that we approach God and, and we believe and somehow we're going through some type of religious ritual. We're here in church. We believe we need to pray. We believe we know we have needs and so forth. But we go through a, rit a religious ritual because we don't expect God to answer our prayers. There's a, a hindrance there. Why? I believe it's because we don't have a clean conscience. If you don't have a clean conscience, then something's always there sort of saying, well, you know, I... I so one way or another, I, I messed up, I sinned against him, and my conscience is bothering me at this point. And instead of running to God, pleading the blood of Jesus around that and, and moving on, is we stay in that muck and mire, I call. We don't move on. And so we don't expect God to do anything. And actually, faith is what pleases God. When we are not having a clean conscience, then we know it doesn't please the Lord here. We know in John 14 and verse 12, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The Bible abounds in verses that assure answered prayer for Christians, but we there, there are conditions that are put on this. And so, you know, obviously, if you're not getting answers to your prayers, then you need to ask why. Why is this, Lord? What is it? Have I, I missed the mark? You know, when I <clears throat> practice, I love to shoot. I was raised in the country. I 
I'm an old type. I love uh, different shotguns, rifles. I love handguns, all this. And I'll go to the range and I'll, I'll shoot. And if I miss the mark, then actually I'll go back and I'll keep trying. I'll keep adjusting. I may have to adjust the sights, but I'll adjust until I hit the bullseye. It's the same way with prayer. If I'm not hitting the bullseye, then I need to make some corrections somewhere. It's the same way with prayer. We need to make some corrections. If you're not getting answers to your prayers, the Bible says, Father, Jesus said, I thank you that you heard me, and I know that you always hear me. Here, Jesus had already spent time in prayer and already had the assurance in his heart that he was praying according to the will of the Father. It's relationship is what it's about. I always back and come back to the foundation that is a relationship, a close intimacy with Jesus Christ. Jesus got alone with the Father. <clears throat> he went away. The crowds tried to divert him from doing that. But he listened to the Father, and he knew the will of his Father, and so he could pray assuredly that God was going to hear him and that God was going to answer his prayers. It's the same with you and me. Is we need to know that we're doing the will of the Father. I have one reason for living, and I know you do also, is to do the will of, of the Father. That's all I, I live for. If I'm doing the will of the Father, if I'm loving the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and I'm loving my neighbor as myself, if I'm doing those things, then a lot of other things will fall into place. If my priority is to know God and to know Him intimately, then I know things will fall in place. I may hit some turmoil. I may hit some resistance. It may be resistance from, you know, anywhere it could be. But if I'm doing the will of the Father, Jesus knew he got alone in him, and his prayer life was like that. Remember when he raised Lazarus from the dead? He said, Lazarus, come forth. It was possible because of the daily relationship with the Father, because of the assurance he already had gained in his private prayer. He already knew. He didn't go exactly when the disciples you know, were telling him to do it and go. Jesus went according to the direction that God gave him. That is possible for us, church. That is possible for us. We, God does not want us just to, to be amiss in our prayers. We need to know how to pray in the will of the Father here. Obviously, sometimes I'm concerned that we can't we don't accept the substandard Christianity that gets no answers to prayer. Most of Christendom has accepted a form of godliness with no power, a kind of Christianity that goes through some rituals of prayer, but without any real expectation. We pray. I know I pray many times. And really, in my heart of hearts, do I expect for God to answer? Maybe you have been in a situation, or maybe we go through seasons of that. But I want to tell you today, God wants to answer our prayers, but we've got to know what his will is in these situations here. Certainly, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. The church as a whole says, well, ask, it's the proper thing to do, but don't expect much intervention on God's part. Get the best you can and keep going there. But you see, the normal biblical Christian life is marked by answered prayer, praying and seeking him, knowing his will. And that takes getting into his word. That takes time with prayer. That takes time with you and I and our relationship and the koinonia that you've noticed in the bulletin this, this morning. Cindy put that in there. 
and about the koinonia that happened last Friday night, the koinonia that happened last Sunday morning, the koinonia that's taking place right here and today, the koinonia, when we're as one, we come together in unity with the diversity of each person, but the many gifts that you have in this church. It can't be operated just by the leader of the, of the church. It has to be the whole church functioning in the particular calling upon your lives when the whole church is functioning in that way. It's like a fine-tuned machine that's just working, doing the will of God, moving through this era of history and doing what God has called us to do. The blessing there is knowing the will of God. And you and I participate with that. You pray for us that we'll walk in the will of God here at Lighthouse Fellowship. You pray that we don't do anything we're not called to do. Jesus said, I always do in John chapter 8, what pleases the Father. That's it. He set his priority. If we set that priority, let me tell you, things will go a whole lot smoother for us. It may still be rough waters. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that you'll be able to go through those things. Set your heart on following what the Word of God says and pleasing the Father there, certainly. You know, is this kind of life possible? I believe it is for you and me. Certainly the Scriptures attest to it all the time. But because why? Because we've been brought into a covenant relationship with God Almighty. He sent His only begotten Son into the world to die for our sins. How much more will He give us all things along with Him? And we know Romans uh, chapter 8 talks about. He will do these things in our lives. And it's the Spirit's work, let me tell you. But we've got to partner with the Holy Spirit. We've got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit of God to work these things in our lives. Romans chapter 6, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, but under grace here. It's certainly, we've been provided all things that pertain to life and godliness, the Word says. Therefore, we can live lives pleasing to the Lord there. You say, but I'm not perfect. We know that. We're not. And you say, well, Jesus was able to do this because he was the Son of God. Remember, he didn't tap into his deity. And that's my expression, my vernacular. He didn't use his deity. He walked as a man full of the Holy Spirit of God. And he was able to do that. Why? It's because he gave us an example that you and I can walk in the same manner. If he was God, you'd say, well, I'm not God, and he can do it, and we can never do it. No, he walked as man. He laid aside, in a sense, that, that deity there. He was still deity, but he was man, and he operated in that. And the Holy Spirit guided him and directed him. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that you and I have. The resurrected Christ, the power that God raised him from the dead. We have the same resurrection power dwelling within us at this very moment. So obviously, the first problem we have in the American church is the failure to call people to higher ground. The prevalent message is don't strain yourself. God understands that sin in your life. Don't go too far with this. Heard somebody saying recently, you know, they sort of burned out on church and, and all, and, and that, therefore they no longer attend church. And I'm going, well, you mean you threw the baby out with the bathwater? You mean you just gave up and so forth because maybe you were uh, working and doing a lot of things? It takes a lot for the work. And the church today should be involved in the work of the church. It's the members coming together under the banner of love. The power of God will be poured out if we'll just come together and walk by faith. And believe God for these great things. Let me tell you, and grace is not about overlooking our bondage to sin. Obviously, God is calling us to a high calling in Christ Jesus. And we shouldn't be lulled to sleep 
certainly, by a sloppy gospel that accepts bondage to sin and no answered prayers. This is not the will of God for you and me. And when we ask God to sanctify us, equip us, and bring us to a higher ground, we are praying according to the will of, of the Father. If you can pray that prayer, Lord, I'm asking you to obviously uh, to sanctify us, to equip us, and call us to a higher ground. That is the will of the Father. I pray certain prayers in the morning, and I pray because they are scriptural prayers. <clears throat> I love praying back the scripture also to the Lord, and I've talked to you all before about it. If you're wondering what the will of God is, get into the Word of God, open it, and plug your name in wherever you get a chance in the Word of God. The Lord is Jesus' shepherd. Or the, the Lord is Jim's shepherd. And Jim shall not want. He maketh Jim lie down in green pastures. He leads Jim beside still waters and the quiet pastures. He leads me. He restores Jim's soul. You see, put your name in there. Make it personal. You're praying in the will of the Father. Isn't that great? You know, you don't have to worry about what the will of God is. Open the Word of God and just begin to read. That is the Word, the will of God here. And the standard of living is a life pleasing to God that we can call on the Lord and receive His help in every aspect of our lives. If you're doing, if you're in rebellion, if you're doing your own thing, and I have no intentions of doing the will of God because I know what's best for me, then why should God answer your prayers? You're going to do whatever you want. You're in a rebellion. But He wants to take you back. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your all in all. He wants you to know, and He'll answer your prayers. Just give your life to him. At times I slip over here and over there and so forth, but I always come back and I say, Lord, forgive me. I was off course here. I wasn't doing what you told me to do, and I know that, but I'm coming back. You see, we have a God that is full of forgiveness, full of grace and mercy. We have a God that wants to, to deliver us from bondage and the things in our lives. We all deal with things in our lives, but God has come to set us free, just what that banner says. It set us free, free in all areas of life. And if you're free in Christ, you're free indeed, certainly here. Ephesians 2 says, For the, by grace you've been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It cannot be said any simpler than that. Everything we receive is because of how good God is, not anything about us, okay? Because if not, you'll walk in defeat. Because you go, oh my goodness, in my life and this and that, I don't measure up over here and that. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about how good God is. And he's good all the time. He never changes. And he just wants that covenant relationship with him between us to be so close and so intimate that we go to prayer. We already know what the will of the Father is. Simple things in the scripture that we can learn and know. And we know if he hears us, then we have what we ask for. Remember when Paul was uh, Saul at the time, he struck down there on the road to Damascus. I forget when he was, his name changed, but anyway, it was Paul. He was struck down on the road to Damascus. Remember, he was blinded. And remember, he told Paul to get up and go into the city. And a man named Ananias would come and pray for him, basically. And what so he headed out there. He, he went, obviously, to Damascus there. And what if he had gone to Jerusalem and said, no, I'm going to Jerusalem. Here he is blind. He's going to do what he wanted. Would he, would he have gotten his prayers answered? I don't believe so. 
Now, does it mean that obviously that somehow we dictate what God should do? We're not God. It's God. We submit our lives to Him. But I'm saying here, what you do when you do that is you position yourself to receive the answer of the perfect will of God. Think about it. I'm going to say it again. You position yourself. You put yourself in a place that you can receive God's answer. And God's answer will guide you in life. And that's all we want to live for, church. That's all I care about is doing the will of the Father. He'll put you there. You know the blind man in John chapter 9? Jesus spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva, and then he rubbed the clay on the blind man's eyes and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the Bible says the man obeyed the Lord and came back with his sight here. Did that man earn his healing by washing in the pool of Siloam? No. He positioned himself for the answer to take place. And his eyes were open there to receive the blessing there. The same way with us is that we position ourselves. We get in a place of obedience to the Lord. It doesn't earn our answers, certainly, to prayer there, but it positions us to receive those answers. Good thing about it is God wants to bless us. God wants to answer our prayers. God wants us to do that, but he wants us to pray in his will here. He talks about that condemnation in the heart. Obviously, in the Bible, as Rosemary read, it does not necessarily prove that we're not children of God. God alone is the ultimate good judge of that there. But there's a tremendous, tremendous benefit in living with a clear conscience here in verse 21. Beloved, if our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Here, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus, love one another as he gave us commandment. And now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. John places a special connection between pleasing God and treating one another right. You know why many families today, and I see reconciliations in family too, we know that, and that's beautiful. I see it a lot, really. And we're seeing though, but when, when you don't have things right in the family, when things are not right, when there's dissension there, and we're praying and so forth and all, it's just, I mean, it's on your heart and all and, and stuff. And, and God is saying, keep praying, keep praying, bringing it together, because you see, this is what God wants to do. This is his will that there not be this happening. The enemy wants it to happen. The enemy gets in there and drives a wedge and does this and that and peppers people's thoughts. I've always said this. The mind is the battleground. And you and I have to have a clean conscience because what happens is Satan fires those fiery darts right towards you and me and my mind. He, he doesn't know what you're thinking, but let me tell you, he can put thoughts there. He fires the fiery darts at you. I'm not, nobody's immune, trust me. I remember one day, God gave me a glimpse in the spirit realm, and I saw the fiery dart coming towards me. He just real quick, and I immediately, I, I quenched it. I, I put up the shield of faith, the Bible says in Ephesians 6. But the fiery darts will hit you, and before long, and what happens is people don't take control of their minds. Obviously, because that's what's happening. And they let all these thoughts come in. Before long, Satan has driven a wedge 
between people, between the church, between those loved ones, between society, communities, and so forth. He loves to obviously divide and conquer. That's what he does. It's through the mind. <clears throat> and you don't have a clear conscience, then I want to encourage you today. A real remedy is go before the Lord and ask God to cleanse you in the blood of Jesus, to cleanse your, cleanse your conscience. I think go before him. I do this. Go before him and ask him to cleanse your conscience with the blood of Jesus Christ so you can walk in freedom, so that you can have confidence in prayer, so that you can abide in him and he in you. As John 15, we've been studying about one thing really important, and it is very, very simple. Let's do it together here. You know, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, Brethren, I don't count myself to be apprehended, but the one thing I do, I'm forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's saying, now I messed up in the past. Remember, he was persecuting the church. He having people killed. And he said, I forget about those things. They're under the blood. And I press forward. God wants us to have a clear, clean conscience, but we make the call. Paul said, forget about it. It's under the blood, and I'm pressing in. And it's the same way with you and I. The devil will wreak havoc in your life if you stay in that place of condemnation, if you stay in that place of negativity all the time. And everything negative comes out. If you stay there, you don't come out of it and let God cleanse you of it, you'll live a defeated life, let me tell you. Acts 23, he says he lived in an all-good conscience before God here. So how do we do it? First of all, is we obviously do not tolerate an accusing conscience. We ask the cleansing blood of Jesus, of Jesus Christ here, and we guard our conscience and take care to not violate it here and Paul teaches about it in Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 8. But the basic principles he teaches there is that we're not to judge fellow Christians who may have a different conscience on an obscure issue than their own. We are never, never to violate our own conscience. But let me give you an example. If you're watching a particular movie and your conscience comes in and your conscience is pricked, don't watch it. Don't watch it. And you say, yeah, but the guy next door is watching it. Or the other church folk is watching it. You're not in charge of him. You don't judge him. But if God tells you, don't watch that movie, or don't go to that particular place, or don't put that computer on a particular site, or whatever it may be, isn't that simple? Don't do it. Let your conscience, well, in a way, be your guide, right? Thank you, Betty. Let your conscience be your guide. That's the first part. God gave us a conscience. A lot of people, some people have, have not done that, and their consciences are seared. So they really cannot. Their conscience is not their guide because we see them doing certain things, and we go, and that person we know doesn't have a conscience at all because they can do something, and they seem to have no remorse at all. It's because they violated their conscience over and over and over again. You know, what I'm saying here, we can, have a, we can start over, right? We can start over right now and say, Lord, give me a clean conscience. I want to hear from you, and I want to pray in your will. The second thing here is a connection that comes through habitual abiding in God's presence here. 
Abiding in Him and He in us gets us answered prayer, obviously. He says in John 15, I'm the vine and my Father the wine dresser, and each branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may bear much more fruit. He's saying that He wants us to bear fruit here. If you abide in me and my word abide in you here, if you keep my commandments, as we know, certainly, and you abide in my love, then there are three connections here. First of all is obedience. The second is abiding. And the other is answer prayer. They all go together. Isn't that great? Abide in him. Get under his covering. Get close with Jesus. Let your conscience be so tender there that when something comes up and God said, don't do that, don't do it. You're abiding in him. When God tells you to do something, we talked about last week, then be obedient immediately. Don't go and argue with God about it. Don't kind of debate with him about it. You'll talk yourself out of it every time. Isn't that true? Don't do it. God does something. You know, sometimes God will tell me to do certain things, and I put it before him. I'm not saying being reckless with this at all, and I'm saying pray about it and go before him. That's not dishonoring to the Lord. But what I'm saying is eventually you need to come back if God keeps putting lingering. I asked God, I said, if this is you, this is one of my ways of doing this. Everybody has their own way. I said, Lord, if this is you speaking to me, and you want me to do this, then I ask that you would increase the burden. If not, take it away. It's real simple. Increase the burden. If he takes it away or it stays neutral, then I, I sort of linger and wait until I've heard it. But if God tells me to do it and that burden's still there, I will do it no matter what. And it may seem strange to man. It may be strange to the family or to the church or whatever. I will do it. Now, I'm not going to run out <clears throat> on 518 naked, trust me, okay? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. That would be a horrible sight. <laughs> you know what happens, though? Staying in communion, communion, fellowship with the Holy Spirit of God. And that is 24-7. When you sleep, you know, what dreams he gives me. If I wake up, I've had some dreams, and sometimes they're immoral dreams. I get up and I go, Lord, cleanse my mind of those things. Cleanse me of that. I don't want that stuff. Different things. There are attacks that come in the middle of the night, but I get up and I, I cleanse myself of that. And eventually what happens is resisting the devil, he backs off. We're all, all in the, we know, we know about that, certainly. But living a life independent of God is where we obviously step out from abiding in Him. Do what God tells you to do. Abide in Him. You want your prayers answered, certainly here. Obviously, it's a daily drawing upon the life of God. <clears throat> Tom said it well in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But it's Christ who lives within me. The life I now live, I live in the body here, and I live by faith in the Son of God. I don't live. It's Jesus. It lives within you. Really, that's the whole thing. And it's in your mind dwelling on, on the Lord, if you take charge of what you're dwelling on, you make have control over that. You say, I can't control what I'm thinking. Yes, you can. You control what is in your mind, what comes in your mind. I slip up sometimes, and man, before long, if I'm down in the dumps and I've allowed the fiery darts to come in one way or another, but what I do is I come back, I confess it, and then I come back, ask the Lord to cleanse me, and I get back up again. And then I begin to dwell upon the things of God. Dwell upon the Lord, right? 
Think about God. Dwell upon those things that we know in Philippians talks about the good and noble and holy and, and the good things, the good things about life. Think about those things. The negativity. I had a lady here recently sent me a um, uh, YouTube on uh, a little sermon, mini sermon on negative thoughts. And she put down there in, uh, in the little thing writing it, her text to me, she says, boy, I've been convicted about this. She goes, i got to change my ways about this negative thinking and negative speech. All of that. We choose what we will think on. We choose what comes out of our minds. And based on what we've chosen to dwell our minds and our thoughts on, then obviously, we obviously, it will affect and it really speaks for our behavior. You'll act out on it. Before long, you're down in the dumps. But something happens, your behavior changes when you dwell upon them. It's in the mind. Abiding in Him, saying, I'm going to come, I'm going to do what He told me to do, no matter what, no matter what happens. The fruit of the Spirit expressed through us produces positive influence upon other people also. So obviously, you think about the things of the flesh, then that's the way you'll obviously walk in. You'll be depressed because you're a child of God. Amen? I'm no longer a slave to fear, that song says. I am a child of God. And so when that happens, I confess it, I get cleansed in the blood, and I get back up and I go again. Do not stay down. Persevere. The Christian life is about persevering here. The person who's abiding in Christ will be nurturing the right desires. His or her passion will be thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He will be seeking to please the Lord in everything he does. He will be cleansed there and pruned so that the desires of his heart are transformed by his relationship with God. And therefore, what he desires lines up with what God desires. We know in Psalm 27, 37, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. You're so obviously that old pastor I knew years ago that said, and I used it Friday night, we're wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up, and glued up in Jesus Christ. When we're like that, we know we can pray in his will, and we will see results and answers that will take place. It's about, obviously, delighting ourselves in the Lord, but we're delighting ourselves in His desires, not our desires. It's His will. Thy will be done. Your kingdom come, not ours. We're building. Even pastors, a lot of times, are building their own kingdoms. We know that's not right. God tells us, get out and touch other people's lives, including other churches. That's why God's blessing us here. We obviously need to delight ourselves and abide in the Lord because that our positions us for answered prayer. He positions us for answered prayer. Thank you, Lord. Simple, isn't it? Think on the things of the Lord. Think about the good things, the positive things. Think about what God would say about it. Get into the Word and say, I'm not sure about what you obviously want me to do in this and get into the Word. And you go, well, you look at a scripture and you go, well, this is not about the subject. I want an answer for it all. Well, let me tell you, the word of God is living and active and is sharper than a double-edged sword. And so you'll read the word and something will happen that obviously will touch you and meet a need. And it may be something totally different than the subject that you're asking an answer for, right? 
it's good because that's the way God speaks to us because he honors. When you open the word of God and you're serious about doing what he tells you to do, let me tell you, the answer is on the way, right? The answer is on the way. Keep praying. Don't give up. It may mean that you have to continue to pray. It doesn't mean you get instantaneous answers. Sometimes I talked to a lady here recently, and her sister was sick, and she immediately got on the phone and called some prayer intercessors who were prayer warriors. And they immediately, I knew eventually when she was telling me and testifying to this, that I knew immediately that these prayer warriors got out on their knees and began to pray for her sister who is in uh, Honduras or El Salvador or one of those anyway. And, and she began to pray. And evidently, immediately, she called back several hours later, and the lady said, it's all taken care of. And it was because people were praying in the will of the Father. She called forth the prayer warriors, and God answered. Don't give up. Sometimes they're instantaneous. A lot of times it's through perseverance. Why? It's because God builds relationship when we wait upon Him. He wants the relationship more. He loves to answer prayer. God can answer your prayer right now, just like that. But it's about relationship. Because if we thought He was just a genie in the bottle, then we'd come to Him and flip it, and then we'd go and do our own thing. But He keeps us dependent upon Him if we'll continue to persevere seek to do the will of the Father. It's about abiding in Him, isn't it? It's, have we learned something about it in John 15, the last few weeks? Abiding in Him. How important this is. Jesus said that if you do, if you keep my commandments, then you're my friend. And I mentioned, I said, I've heard something about the Friends Church. Have y'all? I've heard something about it. We're in a Friends Church. Anybody know that? <laughs> That's where the friends got their, got their name. God is good. Just open your heart and ask him, say, Lord, I'm struggling with this will thing. Ask him. He'll do it. It's a work of the Spirit that makes it all right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord. We just ask that your word will go forth. You said your word wouldn't return void, but it will go forth and accomplish what you desire. And believe in that today. Let your word touch us, O oh God. Speak. Your servants, your children are listening. There'd be anybody here not saved or, or maybe need to just know that they're the certainty of their salvation. Today would be the day you honor. Just give your heart to Jesus. And whatever the issue is, just as we've had prayer time today, we offer these things up to you today, realizing that you're the answer to all of life. You're our answer, oh God. Help us to pray in your will and believe and receive those answers that you're so wonderfully, bountifully desiring to do in each of our lives in this church as we glorify your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.